Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters and by Pugs That Tilt Their Heads. Tonight, we'll read a short story by O. Henry titled Snowman, published posthumously in 1917. William Sidney Porter, pen name O. Henry, is known for his stories with surprise twist endings. This particular story had to be left unfinished by the author as he was dying. So he asked a friend and fellow writer to finish it for him. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Snowman. Housed and window paned from it, the greatest wonder to little children is the snow. To men, it is something like a crucible in which the world melts into a white star a million miles away. The man who can stand the test is a snowman, and this is his reading by Moses's carven tablets of stone. Night had fluttered a sable pinion above the canyon of Big Lost River, and I urged my horse toward the Bay Horse Ranch because the snow was deepening. 
The flakes were as large as an hour's circular tatting by Miss Wilkins' ablest spinster, beckoning a heavy snowfall and less entertainment and more adventure than the completion of the tatting could promise. I knew Ross Curtis of the Bay Horse, and that I would be welcome as a snow-bound pilgrim, both for hospitality's sake and because Ross had few chances to confide in living creatures who did not neigh, bellow, bleat, yelp, or howl during his discourse. The ranch house was just within the jaws of the canyon, where its builder may have fancied that the timbered and rocky walls on both sides would have protected it from the wintry Colorado winds. But I feared the drift. Even now, through the endless, bottomless rift in the hills, the speaking tube of the four winds, came roaring the voice of the proprietor to the little room on the top floor. At my hello, a ranch hand came from an outer building and received my thankful horse. In another minute, Ross and I sat by a stove in the dining room of the four-room ranch house, while the big, simple welcome of the household lay at my disposal. Fanned by the whizzing norther, the fine, dry snow was sifted and bolted through the cracks and knot holes of the logs. The cook room, without a separating door, appended. In there I could see a short, sturdy, leisurely, and weather-beaten man moving with professional sureness about his red-hot stove. His face was stolid and unreadable, something like that of a great thinker or of one who had no thoughts to conceal. I thought his eyes seemed unwarrantably superior to the elements and to the man, but quickly attributed that to the characteristic self-importance of a petty chef. Camp Cook was the niche that I gave him in the Hall of Types, and he fitted it as an apple fits a dumpling. Cold it was, in spite of the glowing stove, and Ross and I sat and talked, shuddering frequently, half from nerves and half from the freezing drafts. So he brought the bottle and the cook brought boiling water and we made hot toddies against the attacks of Boreas. We clinked glasses often. They sounded like icicles dropping from the eaves, or like a thousand prisms on a chandelier that I once heard at a boarder's dance in the parlor of a ten-a-week boarding house in Gramercy Square. Silence in the terrible beauty of the snow and of the Sphinx.